Captain Slog, Stardate 13, I think. These yep. are the continued voyages of myself, Eddie Edwards, and my friend and associate, Mr. Mark O'Neill, as we track our way through all of Star Trek The Next Generation. Uh, anyway, Mark, how you been? Are you well? Uh, yeah, <coughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, he says, coughing. Um, no, yeah, I'm fine. I, uh, I've, I think I've got over my cold, because uh, I was listening back to last week's episode, because I, like, I do listen back to them every time, and just to remind myself how, how hilarious I am, um, and, and then sometimes to, to remember what you were talking about, <laughs> and um, I realised I had I sounded like I had a bit of a cold, so I, I don't know, maybe that's, the, maybe that's still the case. We now have a Facebook page, so you can feel free to, to write into that. Um, if yeah, if you have any criticisms for me whatsoever, <laughs> I, I want it to be known that I'm not a very strong-willed person, and I have very little self-confidence. Now, that might surprise you, because you might be thinking, A, this guy's maybe one of the best entertainers on the free internet, and and B, he sounds so handsome. But if you have any issues, if you're like, I couldn't quite understand your accent, I'll change it. I will change for you. Whenever when people criticise the Little Mermaid and they say it's about a little girl changing for a man, I'm like, well, is it? But also, what's wrong with that? Really? <laughs> what is really? No. Right. Here's my fucking issue with the Little Mermaid. Right. So. People who think there's anything inherently wrong with the Little Mermaid have a fundamental misunderstanding of what marriage is, right? Because <laughs> only in recent years has marriage become a thing of, of love, right? Where you It used to be that marriage was of convenience and also a sort of power acquisition thing. Yeah, it's a business relationship. It's a business relationship. Ariel is a, the princess <laughs> of the ocean, Eric is the princess, the he, he, the the prince of Denmark, which, as countries go, it's isn't right. quite on par with the ocean. <laughs> I'd say that if you wanted to, but the, 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 the China, China would compare to the, if you were the king of China and you were married the queen of the sea. I'd, I'd be, that's like fair. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> or Iceland, because you know it's got the it's it's got name brand recognition. So, really, like her kind of deciding, yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna marry him. That was par for the course. If anything, the fact that she's 16 years old and Eddie, I have specifically gone through the production and the script of the Little Mermaid. She is explicitly stated to be 16 years old. Now, if anything, that's a bit old, <laughs> because as we know. Look, I, I don't think it's a controversial stance to say that all Danes are pedos, right? <laughs> I love the fact that this is a stance you're taking during your speech about please don't leave us negative feedback. <laughs> <laughs> all, all, all Danes, um, I'll take that back, maybe not all the Danes, just the, the royalty. If he was Prince of Austria, you'd have a stronger case. <laughs> uh... <laughs> because our royal family has shown... To be, our royal family contains paedophiles, and if you want to sue me for that, Liz, fucking go ahead. 
Because do you know what fucking court case will get I'll I'll get a verdict faster? The one where we officially find your son to be a pedo. And then and then my case will get thrown out. And I'll fucking I'll I'll take lawyers' fees off you. You better fuck I don't give a fuck if your husband died. I don't give a fuck if you're a hundred years old. I will fucking rinse you for everything that you're worth, you old boot. The thing is, I, I, always said that. I wasn't I wasn't certain whether or not Prince Andrew was a paedophile prior to the interview. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, how are you oh. doing? Uh, yeah, like I say, my entire life has become refereeing a fight between a dog and a cat. Not, my, oh, that's not true. I watched Eternals again because it's on Disney Plus, oh. and confirmed my review that it is fine. It is. It is. Certainly a film that happened, and I'm very interested to see what Camille Najani and Kit Harrington do in other Marvel projects. <laughs> I know exactly what they'll do in other Marvel projects, and it will be exactly the thing that they did in Eternals, which is show up, be interesting, fuck off off screen, <laughs> and it can come back for the post credits. I'm not. I'm not particularly worried about like spoilers for a movie that nobody really cares about but I do quite like the fact that Kengu as a character's like arc is to not try and stop the world from ending yeah he just goes no no I don't I, I actually agree that we should let the world end and let everybody on earth die um but I'm not going to kill anyone over it so uh see you on the other side uh let me know how it goes <laughs> I watched a really convoluted I so I I really like the YouTube series uh film theory because uh, yeah. it, it's like proper it's they're about 15 minutes long so if if you're really treating yourself it's the exact length of smoking a joint and the initial come up just before yeah. you get hungry and they they done a they done an excellent one that they released i think it was after eternals which was basically that eternals kind of proves that thanos was right yeah because if there wasn't that many people on the earth we'd have had I mean, given how population increase goes, a hundred years, uh, <laughs> extra hundred years, but a hundred years in which we had Avengers, so maybe. Yeah. But also, uh, but I'm going to say this as well. If you're in, if you're, if you're a celestial being and your entire plan needs planets to have a certain number of people on them, and somebody comes along and wipes out half of all life in the universe, completely fucking your plans, and then the people of one fucking planet reverse it and get everything back on track, I'd give them a pass. <laughs> But the thing, but here's here's the here's the thing is that the Celestials obviously were not happy that Thanos erased half the universe because then they, they need to wait because yeah. the Celestials are fighting against something. That's why they need new Celestials, and if uh, they don't have that, then then our unit because you may also remember the throwaway line from the ancient one that the Infinity Stones are our chief weapon against the darkness, which we don't have. And she specifically said the darkness, not what evil. The band. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> against Justin <laughs> Justin Collins. Is that Hawkins. who that was? Hawkins. Justin oh, Hawkins. Justin yeah. Collins was a guy who really threatened uh, to be entertaining back in the mid-2000s. Yeah, and then it turned out he beat his girlfriend or something. Yeah, he? he he might have been the first full scale cancellation. Yeah, <laughs> and rightly so. Yeah, so exactly. And that's what that's what I hit people with, man. <laughs> See, when I go to fucking family dinners and my uncle's like, "Oh, cancel culture can get fucked," 
I'm like, see, without cancel culture, you'd still need to put up with Justin Lee Collins. So fucking take that. <laughs> You're welcome. If if we really had cancel culture, please tell me why is the mother of a paedophile on the banknotes, right? <laughs> yeah. Oh, by the way, something else I want to talk about before right. we start. Um, to, I watched a documentary series on um, uh, Netflix called um, The Puppet Master. Right. And it's about a con man who essentially, Mark... Um, okay, I want you to imagine that somebody you know, out of the blue one day, told you that they were an MI5 agent right. and the IRA wanted you dead. Right? How seriously would you take that if the person saying it couldn't produce any documentation, uh, couldn't back it up in any way, um, didn't have anybody else you could talk to and couldn't verify this at all, but new information about you? So, just just to help people uh, really take advantage of me, um, <laughs> what I told you earlier about criticism, I, 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 I re- not regularly... I have fallen for scams in the past, right, etc. Um, and really, the only scam I truly understand uh, is... Have you ever seen uh, the 1960s musical The, the Music Man? Uh, uh, I haven't, but isn't it also exactly the plot of the monorail episode? <laughs> yeah, <it's, laughs> right. it, it, except it ends in a much more positive way. Um, right. So... So if someone, so I'd, I'd definitely, if someone came up to me and went, your name is Mark, I'd be like, that's true. <laughs> I'd also right. be out, the, uh, the IRA are out to get you. I'd be like, well, that's a surprise because <laughs> the one thing that we are serious about on this podcast, the one thing that we will take to the bank is yeah. we, are, we are a pro IRA podcast and yeah. that is, that is foot down. <laughs> Yeah, nothing, nothing will ever change that. Okay, Mark, this bloke pulled this off, and not only did he get these people to believe him, he got free people to go on the run for nine years, right? While he funneled all the money out of their bank accounts by telling them that he needed money from their bank accounts to help set up their fake identities so that they could escape the IRA. You know, like the government does. That's 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 when I would start to. It'd be right about <laughs> year seven that I'd really start to question it. Um, uh, yeah, it's right. it's it's mental. It's absolutely mental, especially because the bloke who did it not in prison because he got out on a technicality, and <laughs> is currently disappeared off with some family's mum, who they they tried to tell her that she, she's with a con man. She doesn't believe him. Nice. And the police are like, "Well, she's an adult. We've told her." Yeah, there's nothing untoward going on here. We can't check for like abuse, but yeah, that's yeah. Watch, watch the Puppet Master on Netflix. That's my strong recommendation. That and this episode of Star Trek, which I actually thought was quite good. I I quite enjoyed this. I was reading yeah. the reception to this episode of, of Star Trek, and uh, it it seems that this seems to be one of these ones where people go on rewatch. It's not that great because. Obviously, it leads to much better episodes down the line that that yeah. that, that kind of play off the, the same ideas. But I think that, like, because we are watching this, obviously, like we would have been back in 1987, the fact that this one is 
basically fine and good in a sea <laughs> of utter, utter shit really elevates it. Now, I like this episode. I immediately came away from this episode. I watched it with my girlfriend and we both went, that was quite good. I I enjoyed that. It felt very Trek. Yeah, it, like it had a solid plot. Yeah. So to do the plot of this, they 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 go to the planet that Data's from, um, where there was nobody else. He was just found on a planet. We find out. Um, they find in a cave uh, a lab, and in there they find another Data, and they put them together. And then he turns out to be evil and mm. in league with an entity that wipes out civilizations. That's the entire plot, really. Oh, and a, and an addendum to that: the evil data tries to take over data on yeah. the Enterprise. Try to take so knocks data out, takes data out of the equation, um, and then pretends to be data so that he can feed the crew of the Enterprise to the crystalline entity. The crystalline entity that wants to eat all life again. Yeah. I, there's something really satisfying about a Star Trek episode whose plot can be two sentences. Yeah, those those are often the most the, the most important ones, the most yeah. interesting ones. Uh, I do have I do have some. Main, I think there's there's like, I've got a lot of talking points about this. The first one I want to bring up, Mark, is is when they beam down to the planet. Thank fuck, Geordie's there because otherwise, how on earth would they have detected that door? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, Data was basically found laying on a slab in front of what could only be described as the world's most obvious secret door. <laughs> <laughs> I am. Um, I really like that Data's home planet looks a lot like Riker's sad holodeck. It's, uh, the, the, the first thing I did think, though, because the first thing that you see in the episode is the away team kind of gathering to go down to Data's home planet. Yeah. And uh, they specifically show you that Worf is going, and I was I, I I was really looking forward to see who Worf wasn't going to get to fight. <laughs> this is this is the I think the first of what will be. So unfortunately, throughout Star Trek, one of the great things they like to do is show how bad the threat is by having them attack and beat up the most dangerous person on the ship, which is Worf. But it happens so frequently that it makes Worf laughable as a warrior and this is the first time it happens where he tries to fight law at one point and law just batters him uh, but i also right, there's, there's another thing i want to bring up about this which is um it, you say like at the beginning they're all going to beam down and um we get the date has got a lovely scene where he says he's fascinated one might even say agog um but when they do beam down to the planet right i'm just going to ask this mark you've created a robot the robot turns out to be evil so you make a second robot that's not evil, and you take that first robot apart and you put it in a cupboard. Mm-hmm. Would you not label that? <laughs> See, I like to think I right to go to go to your point. Um, Data's evil twin brother is called Lore, right? Yeah. So, in a way, didn't Doctor Nunyan sing? already label them from the fact that there's one called data which means objective truth observed <laughs> through scientific method and the other one is called lore which means made up bullshit oh i mean which lore... one's the evil one do i need to draw a fucking good goatee on it 
Well, you should do. That's the standard Star Trek rules. They should have dropped <laughs> yeah. their little go-to. <laughs> but in, in fairness to Law, like Law only gets as far as he gets with his evil plan because the crew of the Enterprise are completely oblivious. This guy has got more red flags than the keynote speaker at a semaphore convention, right? <laughs> it's, it's it's bonkers. Like it, it also, to be fair, maybe it's. I was thinking maybe if the crew of the, the Enterprise could hear the music that's playing every time Law does anything, <laughs> they would have immediately clocked that he was evil. Because yeah, it's no, it's it's so he's so cartoonishly evil. Yeah. And over the top, that he might have well like had a fucking goatee, big twirly mustache, <laughs> like <laughs> tying a woman to the railroad tracks. I so <clears throat> so so when when Jordy finds the super secret door, um, <laughs> so it was it was revealed that data was found twenty six years ago. He was yeah. lying there on like a stone plinth thing and behind it was a was a super secret door yeah and which jordy spotted not using his his visor but using his knowledge of engineering which <laughs> i thought was quite a nice bit of character development and so well, well first question when they find lower obviously they find him disassembled yeah with his fat ass and by that i mean p-h-a-t Ass is spelled the same way. Unless you want to replace the S's with dollars. Um, when data was found, was he also naked? And if so, what's he got going on? Is he a Kendall? They they bring... Well, no, he's fully functional. We know that from the Naked Now. Oh, yeah, yeah. of course, yeah. So that means when they bring all of the parts... Because they bring Law back onto the Enterprise yeah. to assemble him, which means it was like... At some point, there was a conversation where somebody was like, can you grab that penis? <laughs> <laughs> I, I also like the fact that data... Like, so the, the whole thing is that this facility... Exists, so like new, the, the scientist who was trying to create data said, basically, I reckon I could create an Android. And yeah. then didn't manage to do it. And then considered himself like, oh, I've... Been, I'm going to be ridiculed and left. But if you're still alive, like if you've said you're going to do something and then you haven't done it, but you're still alive, you still can go. Well, it didn't work that time. I'll try again. Yeah. But instead, he fled to the far side of the universe, where a bunch of colonists <laughs> hid in a cave, and he made an evil robot. Because <laughs> the, the idea is right. The, the, the thing, the thing that he's making isn't necessarily uh, data the artificial humanoid he's not trying to do that he's trying to make a positronic brain which is a machine brain that effectively works the same way that our brains do he's trying to create a working artificial brain and you're not look i'm you're not going to nail that on your first go are you no like that's not (laughs) that's not that's not even a university thesis project and, and anyone who holds that against you is not somebody you need to take seriously as a scientist, I feel. <laughs> I, I wonder if it's, a, if it's a bit like... You remember that episode of The Simpsons where Homer goes to clown college and he's sitting at dinner <laughs> and he stands up and he goes, you people have held me back for too long. I'm going to clown college. And then Marge goes, I don't think any of us were expecting that. I think this has been framed as if Dr. Noonien sung in disgrace, fled the planet and left to go and live with a bunch of colonists behind a super secret door when in fact he was like oh my brain has failed 
And then his, his, his like, hot assistant is like, no, Dr. Noonien Singh, your brain is fine. No, you don't understand, Shirley. Not my brain, my brain. Um, and it's like a Mel Brooks comedy. Um, so he has to... Oh, I'm so ashamed. I must go to... I don't, I, I don't know what the fuck this accent is. I must go to the far ends of the galaxy to work on my brain. And then Shirley's like, your brain? And he goes, no, Shirley, not my brain. My brain, you stupid bitch. Because back in Mel Brooks times, we could say things like that about women. Um, but um, what was my point? Anyway, yeah, it's... it's oh, and and he also so this this really um, it really ticks my boxes in quite a lot of ways, but it, we finally get a Star Trek episode that deals with an actual big issue, which yeah. is um, if like wait, what was I going to say? Oh yeah, how how human yeah. can a human thing a human like thing be before it is human? Because the colonists. They didn't trust lore, according to him, because he's too much like a human. Whereas I think, in reality, <laughs> they didn't trust him because he's an untrustworthy fucking snake. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, the, one thing I do like in this, there's a scene in this where um, they keep referring to lore as it before they've assembled him. Yeah. And then Data's like, well, if he's in it, if it's in it. I'm in it. I bet why they're calling it now after someone's already carried a jar of penis after <laughs> the Enterprise. So, I... and then, and when corrected, Picard's response to this is to go, "That's a good point, Data. We'll stop doing that. He's a he because Picard would respect your pronouns." That's right? exactly what I said. It's, it's <laughs> such a perfect interaction because it's it's again. I don't know. I can't remember if we were talking about them before or we were recording or if it's in case then this. But the people who were giving me grief in my family, whatever they were grieving me grief about earlier on, about how their <laughs> fucking royal family are Filipinos or whatever, I can't remember. This is why I have to re-listen to them, because my brain won't... <laughs> this is why I don't do callbacks in my comedy, because I literally can't remember what I just said. So, um, yeah, they, 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 they give it all about how the evil pronouns are taking over, and it's like, no, this is a perfect example of a misunderstood yeah. pronoun correction... Picard refers to Lore as it. Data says, "No, he's he's not a net. He's he's a he." And Picard literally holds his hands up and goes, "No, yeah, you're right. Sorry, I'll I'll take that on board." Perfect. Yeah, that is how yeah. all. That's essentially what we fucking want, which is we're not trying to we're not trying to scare you into oh you can't say he or she anymore because the them's might take offense. No, fuck off, Carol. If you call someone a she and then they turn around to you and say, actually, if you don't mind, like, I, I prefer he. Yeah. You don't. And then you go, you oh, don't, I mean, I mean, I know what fine. you want to do. I know you want to send them to some kind of camp, you fucking. <laughs> but what you should do is just be like, yeah, yeah. All right. I get that. Fucking just <laughs> just be more like fucking Captain Picard. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Be more like Picard, who in this episode for once isn't, sl- isn't you know pissing off and doing something other than his job um, yeah oh. <laughs> yeah I there um, was some I, I want to say this move, this episode has had what I think is the best bit of background dialogue of anything we've watched so far because there's a bit where they're assembling law and the chief engineer who's doing it is engineer Argyle who's like a character who's not a character we care about um, 
and he's putting law together and there's a bit of techno bangle where he just says to someone is the electromagnetic symphometer reading positive or negative um which i can only work out means that he wants to check if he's wired the battery up the right way yeah (laughs) but this is what i do i heard it and it was like that sounds so much like it means something well quite clearly meaning fuck all i was impressed (laughs) by that techno battle when um when they are assembling lore. Uh, Data is there to. Oh, also this this was a thing, right? So when 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 Riker says to Data, "Let's bring it aboard. Let's bring lore aboard," right? Because he's in all different. He's in like assemb- some assembler required, right? Yeah, and he looks a bit like Brent Spinner. Yeah, he looks uh, a bit like Brent Spinner. Yeah, so <laughs> they're like, "Oh my god, it's uncanny!" And you're watching it going, "It's not. Yeah. <laughs> that is not a great prop." So I um. <laughs> I when 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 Riker turned around to Data and says, "Well, we'll bring it aboard." I, Mark O'Neill, the Observer, said, "That sounds like a bad idea." We then get the title sequence, and the first thing that Picard tells him is that it was specifically a good idea to bring him aboard. <laughs> and again, if Cap, look, if Captain Picard thinks it's a good idea, I'm on board. Right? I'm I'm fine. I, I would hold my hands up and say I apologize, but um. Marco, I want to bring up as well, this, this episode does something that I find baffling, which is there is a, a fairly lengthy scene in which Beverly Crusher fingers Data's off switch <laughs> um, to establish that Data can, in fact, be turned off with a switch. And it's important that you, you listening to this understand that this scene is maybe like a minute yeah. Like properly, and it goes back and forth. There's proper dialogue, and it has literally no payoff in this episode. No, <laughs> the only thing that paid off for me was uh, just before it happens. Jordy asks, "Will we know how to turn it on?" To which I replied, "Does Jordy know how to turn anything on?" <laughs> Jordy couldn't turn on a woman with the specific fetish of blind black starship engineers. <laughs> but the reason I want to bring up that off switch. Mark, the reason I want to bring it up is later on in this episode, there is a scene where Law knocks Data unconscious by drugging his champagne. <laughs> when you've established that the off switch exists, <laughs> why doesn't he just turn him off? So um, immediately before uh, Data, dr- or when 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 Law was injecting the the android roofies, because they actually are like always. It's, the, the, at one point earlier in the episode, Data references uh, an element that they can use as an anaesthetic on themselves. Yeah. Um, and they, Lore went to inject the, the, the drugs in uh, to the drink, and Laura shouted out, He's going to white, si- sorry, he's going to single white female you, Data. <laughs> Which made me laugh a lot until <laughs> I realised I don't actually know what that reference means. Like, I've heard that <laughs> reference a few times, and I said to Laura, I'm going to say that on the podcast and see if Eddie laughs, right? And then when he does, I'm going to be like, how is that reference relevant? Um, right, because the movie Single White Female, I believe, has a scene where that happens in. That's it. That's it. That's all I've got. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We've never seen your movie, because you know what? I had the word female in the title, and I was like, not for me. Uh, I heard the word single, and I was like, maybe... Um, but then I heard white, and I was like, absolutely not. Had it been called slightly older, mummish, Hispanic woman, I'm all in. 
Yeah, and that's why I've spent most of this week masturbating to Encanto on Disney+. Plus. Uh, <laughs> Do they see how right. old that, that kid is in, in that football <laughs> Just to, just to really, just to be safe, you know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, now Mark, I do have a big important question about this episode. So that they do a full like, there's a point in this episode where to learn how to put law together, they want to do a full scan on data to like look at how he's put together. Which does raise the question: if you found a fucking android on a planet with a beacon that's called you there and there's nobody else on that planet and you take that android back to your ship why wouldn't you scan it <laughs> i mean <laughs> and also who was the first person to find the on switch <laughs> um, maybe it's a lot more obvious if you are naked yeah uh if he's I, underneath his clothes because obviously this is a um this is a theme that we come back to time and time again with data which is like, what is, is he a machine or is he a man? I mean, it's it's literally the foundation of my yeah. favourite episode of the entire show. <laughs> um, and so I wonder... He's part I, man, part machine, all cop. Yeah, uh, uh, <laughs> part man, part machine, all officer. <laughs> um, so is he, uh, I guess, if if they brought him on board and maybe he he came alive right away because I, I do I, I do think that Star, Starfleet does tend to bend their own rules right I think that Starfleet itself is a utopian idea that the characters inside the show aspire to but don't necessarily always represent so yeah. I would like to think given that there are questions of how human can a machine be before it essentially becomes indistinguishable from humans so yeah. if they got data and he was alive, they wouldn't. Would they be like, "Well, this is clearly a sentient being. We can't just go and fucking take him apart and scan him." Yeah, and they say is um, is like off, on switch has got like a timer on it. Yeah. So maybe he was like somebody set him on snooze. <laughs> <laughs> Wake up um, in nine minutes. My, my, one other question I do want to bring up about this is: you find an abandoned. Uh, scientific facility in the de- the cold, lonely depths of space. And when you come in there, what you find over and over again on the walls are children's pictures of people running in terror from some sort of entity in the sky, right? And then you find a robot that's not been put together. <laughs> what In what planet do you put the robot together before you work out what those pictures are? This, well, here's the thing. This is what really threw me off about it, right? Because all of the evidence we have of the crystalline entity attacking and devouring all life on that planet is several children's drawings. Rather than, say, an artist's rendition or a holographic <laughs> video of a scientist explaining what happened, no. Because this clearly, unless the children were psychic and... Maybe there are psychics. Maybe I mean there isn't one on the Enterprise. Um, we know for sure. Uh, we'll come back to her later on in this fucking discussion. But like, were the kids having visions, or is this drawings of their own memories? In which case, why, why, why were the like were the scientists just proud parents? Like, here's right. Here's a question. I no, don't. Mark, Mark. Here's what happened. The right. Chris and showed up, and the people in the, in the lab were like. 
well, I think this thing outside might be dangerous. And they were like, well, we can't risk any of our scientists. Send the children out. <laughs> Here's a statement I will stand by. There is a non-zero chance that in the days after September 11th, a child drew a quite a graphic picture of people running away from the collapsing World Trade Centres and a mum who didn't truly understand what that drawing was put it up on the fridge. Right? <laughs> Now, if there was only one drawing of it, that'd be fine. But there are several drawings of it yeah. from different children. This 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 entire facility has got abandoned vault in fallout vibes. Like when you walk in and there's like no one and then there's just weird kids' drawings on the wall. And then it's like, oh let's put this robot together. Nothing about this is a good idea. And you it, should steal that robot's gun. It did have the uh, the fun double laser tube prop. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Yeah. From the last that pops Star up a Trek. lot. We'll yeah. You'll see that a lot throughout Star Trek. It's vaguely futuristic and looks like it probably does something. It's in a lot uh, of sci-fi stuff. A lot. Uh, the same thing as and uh, the other day, uh, my, uh, my girl, my fiance Laura was like, "I listened to your podcast the other day. It was quite good. Although, as expected, you spent an inordinate amount of time talking about Ghostbusters on your Star Trek <laughs> podcast. Um, the PKE meter from Ghostbusters shows up oh, quite yeah. a lot and stuff as well." Like there are, there are basically there are sci-fi props that show up in everything because they look a bit futuristic. Yeah, um, the, the guns from Starship Troopers because they made so yeah. many. Uh, they they turn up in loads of stuff. The uniforms um, as well. I I think the uniforms get reused in maybe SG One. Yeah, I uh, think it's in that, and I know the guns get reused in Firefly, held upside down. Yeah. Um, uh. That's what it is, yeah, the uniforms get reused in Firefly, that's right, yeah. Um, I, I want to point out, this is another episode as well that we've watched where Wesley is the MVP, because he's seemingly the only person who realises that Data and Law have switched switched places, <laughs> despite the fact that it is so fantastically obvious. Like, he, he's, like he calls Riker Riker, yeah. rather than Commander. Like, it's like everything he could do wrong... He does wrong. Like, down to not understanding what Picard means when he says, make it so. Yeah. Even though you can infer that from context. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I, 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 I... So, that entire thing... So, first of all, um, does Beverly Crusher insist that Wesley calls him Doctor at home? <laughs> or is it just when they're on the bridge? Um... Oh yeah, this this episode has the the dual shut up Wesleys. Yeah, where Picard says shut up Wesley, and Crusher's like, don't say that, and then Wesley says something, and Crusher says shut up Wesley. Yeah, <laughs> although when Picard says shut up Wesley, there are some absolute daggers from Doctor Crusher. Yeah, he gets. Uh, oh yeah. Oh crap! Well, there's a line in this that Data says about Wesley. Okay, and I want you to tell me that this line of dialogue is not the line of dialogue spoken by a paedophile trying to justify his actions. He has a child's body, but we found him to be much more. <laughs> we? Okay. Um, so, yeah, this is, the again, yet another one where Wesley is the MVP, and he quite, like, I, I can't believe, like, I, I get that some people don't like Wesley, but Wesley... It's not really a character trait, it's just an issue with the writing. Wesley is always demonstrably correct. He is always yeah. in the right. 
and the fact that no one believes him is is kind of baffling. Um, but something that I noticed before we get back to Wesley, I've just seen it in my uh, in my notes here, and this will be something that I imagine you, as someone who has viewed the episode, for the for the people who maybe aren't watching this along with us, this is going to sound like a weird statement, but having watched it recently, you Eddie will know exactly what I'm talking about. Does the director of this episode just have a thing for handsome black guys in Starfleet uniforms? <laughs> Uh, I, I I have in my notes. Who is this handsome chap on the uh, on the bridge? What a lovely smile! <laughs> yeah, there is a transition where they pull back to. Is it Wesley going into the the, the Yeah, Wesley's the going into the turbo lift, and then just the camera instead of stopping on the turbo lift carries on a little bit further, and there's just this really 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 classically handsome black dude. Yeah, just enjoying himself and gives a little smile. More or less directly to camera. Yeah. Well, in a way that doesn't make a lot of sense. C- yeah, because who else is he smiling at? Fucking Picard. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's, he's, that's why that's why Picard's got Smiley Joe on the bridge. He's, he's, he's <laughs> he just likes to look around and he just gives him a little grin and he's like, oh, I feel better about myself. It's a lovely smile you got there. <laughs> you, you remember from the from a, a couple of episodes ago when um, Picard discussed the fact that there is to be no conflict at parties. Um, so basically, they have a member of the bridge crew who just exists <laughs> to like make awkward <laughs> times feel a little bit better. Like everyone's feeling a little bit awkward because, well, Picard, not only have you shouted at Wesley, and now his mum's pissed off, and we know that you really fancy his mom, and everything's a bit awkward. Oh, that's all right, Smiley Joe over there. Hey, Smiley Joe. Ah, we all feel great. Um, <laughs> Weirdly, he's he's not actually the only handsome black guy because uh, <laughs> as 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 my fiance pointed out to me uh, that I didn't notice, there was one in the beginning uh, oh. wearing a blue uniform. Uh, we don't see a yeah. lot of blue uniform guys on the on the bridge. No. I, by the way, I, I was I was started realizing during this episode we've we've had surprisingly few crew deaths so far. Yeah. We've had like the uh, the guy we really liked in like the third episode, Mr. Singh, Mr. Singh, and I think and Wayland survived on the holodeck. I yeah. don't think we've had a single senseless like we've not yet encountered a situation that Picard is going to resolve by throwing red shirts. <laughs> <laughs> um, so there's I there's some really good there's there's something I really enjoy about Star Trek. Uh, which is I I I I'm not a I'm not a military man, right? I I have no interest in joining any any branch of the military. I'm too kind of ADHD for that, right? I I have both uh, reverence for and yet an untold contempt for any authority. <laughs> um, but <clears throat> I really like in Star Trek when they take the time to really show the minutia of like the etiquette of the way that they should be addressing each other and speaking to each other and uh because wesley gets pulled up on it for this did you notice that um wesley talks back to picard and Riker then steps in and says no i'm the one that trained him i'll take the 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 hit for this because that's a pretty shitty thing that he just did and then he hits and then he hits wesley with a get the fuck out point like with just a point gesture he, yeah, I, like, I have oh my literally God, he's got in, in my notes. Riker points like a dick. <laughs> yeah, yeah, 
Yeah, it's it's a. I love that. That's like a. Is that an official hand signal? Do you reckon that's in the book, or is that Wesley specific? <laughs> <laughs> is there a is there a list of things they've got? They've like a list of rules they've got written out of like things we have to do because of Wesley. <laughs> <laughs> Here's a question for you, and I'm going to read this ex- exactly as I have it written down, right? So, this episode is, I guess, this episode has several themes. Uh, one of which is, you know, finding a long-lost brother, and how do you come to cope with the idea that you are not alone, and that you are you are just one of a, of a pack, essentially, right? Yeah. Um... That's quite a big question, and you can you can see that it does affect data. I actually feel like we haven't spoken about data a lot in this data no. episode. Um, it, it probably it affects data. You can see that he's he's quite conflicted about it. So my question is, um, where does Troy go on the episodes where her supposed <laughs> psychic powers would be inconvenient, yet her training as a counselor would probably be pretty useful? I am I the final sentence of my notes, Mark, is this. Data, having had to murder his brother and the only entity that he can truly relate to, is ordered immediately back to work as the ship doesn't have any counselling services. <laughs> What's but no, Troy doing? She's not even a, she wouldn't even be a hindrance to the episode because I don't think she can mind read a robot. No. So, yeah. But, but it would be a damning indictment of her ability to read people in general that she didn't realise that car- cartoonishly evil law was evil. Oh, but so, yeah, it's, they, they wanted to put a counsellor on the bridge to show, like, oh, it's a different time. We're doing things differently. We're approaching it better. But then at no point did they address the fact that that might mean that people need counselling <laughs> yeah. about, about various things. Like, there's, this is this is... Like, I know Data doesn't have emotions, but this can't... He's, like, not given a minute. He's ordered back to the deck, like, the, the bridge immediately after this has happened. Um, and, yeah, it's fucking mental. Uh- <laughs> I, I have something here. So, um, the way that Wesley... Wesley kind of figures out that Lore is being Data. Uh, par- partly because it's... It's fucking obvious. obvious. <laughs> Secondly, is that they are obviously quite good friends, so he is able to spot a sort of change in data, knowing that data doesn't change. Yeah. Um Jordy is also supposed to be Data's best friend, yet does nothing in this episode. But also the other reason that he figures out that it's data it's lore is that data doesn't use contractions. Yes. So to explain what that means, again, if you haven't watched the episode, is that Data will never say, I can't. He will always say, I cannot. I did not, right? I am fine, which is a problem because, and I've got written here, the writers wanted to introduce a new element to Data in order to further distinguish him from Lore and an inability to use contractions. However... Data had obviously used contractions <laughs> during earlier episodes. <laughs> and Spiner refused to shoot the scene until a final decision was re- reached. Production stopped while there was a meeting on the subject between Gene Roddenberry, the producers, and the writers in the middle of the bridge set. Which is <laughs> odd because they have a conference room. <laughs> why wouldn't you why wouldn't you have the discussion in a room with chairs? Yeah, I know, right? Like, I imagine Gene Roddenberry was sat in the captain's chair. Yeah, definitely. Uh, 
and he was like, "I will, I will hear, I will hear everyone now." As he sat caught. Uh, <laughs> Rick Berman gets to sit in Councillor Troy's seat. <laughs> he doesn't even get number one. I like the fact. I know you said we haven't really spoken about data. I don't think we've spoken enough about how fun Law is. Yeah. As a character, Lord's dialogue and delivery of that dialogue is fucking tremendous like at the end of this episode he says the line to wesley are you prepared for the kind of death you've earned little man (laughs) 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 yeah he's 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 absolutely fantastic he's like oh they made me too human so i'm a bastard yeah uh and that's why when he shoots uh crusher with the phaser instead of having it set to stun or kill he has it set to fire which is apparently a setting on the phasers <laughs> so if you if you haven't watched this episode the finale is that wesley uh figures out that that data is that, that lore has knocked out data stolen his uniform and yeah. is now at the bridge of the enterprise in order to get them closer to the crystalline entity that he will feed the entire crew to. Crew to. Um, and Wesley, for his insubordination, is sent to his crew quarters. Uh, Dr. Crusher is ordered to to escort him. In an, in a, in an incredibly uncharacteristic show of motherhood, um, <laughs> Dr. Beverly Crusher decides to believe her son, Wesley, um, and they go to the transporter room where... They, they they go and they wake up Data <clears throat> and they take him to the transporter room where Lore is going to take down the shields so that the crystalline entity can get on board and fucking kill everyone. Yeah, he's told them he's going to beam something over to the entity. like a tr- they, For some reason, he's going to beam him a tree. Yeah. And that's going to stop it because this episode only works if everybody on the crew except for Wesley is thick. <laughs> yeah, really, that's like a, actually quite a lot of the reception that this episode got, is that if this episode only works if everyone is an idiot except Wesley and Lore. Um, I give Data a pass as well. And I give Worf, yeah. Worf is acting in character. Yeah. Worf, but Data is... You know, he's like he's got he's got a brother, he's got family for the first time in his entire existence. That's going to be, I think, and I do like one thing that they address is that Tasha, as like a security chief of security, brings this up and is like, "Do we? We've got another person running around the ship who we're not certain about. Do we trust Data right now?" And Picard is like, "Yes, we do trust Data, but that is a legitimate question." Yeah, <laughs> and he's like, "No, it is. It is a fair question. If yeah. like you've got a robot on board that might be evil." And maybe he has a conversation with Data, and Data goes, actually, the logic you've put forward is right. We should kill all the humans, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm talking about. That was, an, that was an excellent bit of capturing, because he does... Because Tasha seems to be a bit nervous about asking it and says, purely in my role as security chief. And then after she asks it, Picard is very fucking accepting in this episode. He's very nurturing. He's very, like... No, that's fine. Like, he, like he literally <laughs> turns to the rest of the crew and goes, "I just want it on record, as you said, that that question that she just asked, totally valid. Like, <laughs> yeah, like you should be questioning your fucking captain. Like, I mean, don't get me wrong, you should go through Riker to do it because I don't want to fucking hear your voice if you ever try and fucking speak to me or look at me. I will have you abandoned on a dead planet." <laughs> Faster than you can say. No, please, Captain Picard, you're my hero. No, I, I'll i get... Like, O'Brien knows what's up, right? 
there's a code word that O'Brien and I who use. It's called up the ra. As soon as O'Brien <laughs> hears up the ra over my fucking com badge, you are you're down there. And see if there's no planet nearby. You are you're in space. See if we're in warp drive, man. I'll fucking I will drop you out of this ship. And because we're in warp drive, what will happen, right? Is that you you will your atoms will be stretched across space in a magnificent smear <laughs> that I will deem the skid mark. And do you know who'll dob me into Starfleet Command about this? Fucking no one else here. <laughs> so what I'm saying, Tasha Yar, is that thank you, that's a very valid question, but from now on, put it through, right? <laughs> Tasha, Tasha asking too many questions is why she later on gets killed by that mud monster. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> here's, here's a fun fact. Um, Lore was originally planned to be a female android uh, to provide a love interest for Data, despite the right. fact that Tasha Yar has yet again confirmed he is very much up to specifications. Um, <laughs> and her job would have been to go out and repair dangerous situations on the outside of the ship. How is that not Data's job? That's... <laughs> sorry, sorry. <laughs> it's all right. She's not a real person. She can do the dangerous things. Yeah. We'll do her first. And after that, it's the black and Chinese crewmen. <laughs> yeah, because we're not sending Data out. Because as much as he's on the cusp, he does essentially look like a white man. And those are the ones that we have to save. This is um, also the last ever episode of Star Trek on which Gene Roddenberry was a credited writer. Really? Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. He, yeah, he died a couple of years afterwards. Yeah, it's, and it's a good one. It's like I say, it's yeah. a genuinely data like Brent Spiner as as, as evil data is just a joy. Like Ooh. it's it's absolutely fantastic, and he will. He, he, to, be, to be fair, it ends with him getting beamed into space. Which, by the way, it's something I want to bring up. Right? Okay, Mark. No matter how quick you are on the controls of the fucking uh, of the fucking transporter, you cannot beam up half a laser, right? <laughs> <laughs> that's that's not that's not how that works because they half of his he's fired his laser and it's half out of the thing. It travels at the speed of light. It's a beam of light. It no, just no, it, or, or if it is possible, the odds of that happening are so so small that that in itself would be the thing that Starfleet were interested in more than the evil robot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Something Command would be like, you beamed out a laser? What? <laughs> How? Yeah. That shouldn't it? Have you got footage of this? <laughs> yeah, everything that Data sees is recorded. Um, there, is a, there is a point in this as well where when they find um, Data unconscious, dressed as law, and Wesley says to Be- uh, Beverly... I've heard you know how to turn them on. Um, <laughs> and for a moment there, I thought we were going to launch into the porn parody of Star Trek The Next Generation. Um, Which I assume is Star Trek The Next Penetration. Fantastic. <laughs> um, Laura, as soon as, as soon as that line came on, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to credit this to her, uh, Laura immediately turned around and said, Beverly can turn anyone on. <laughs> It's on a special skills list. If you like, you got like if you just look up her in the logs, it's like yeah. <laughs> as as far as we're aware, she's the only doctor on board. 
and yeah. maybe they've gone maybe they've gone back to that that old thing of like the way to cure women of hysteria was with orgasms like yeah. re- re- remember when that was a medical practice <laughs> maybe maybe in the future being able to like like if you need to give someone to give a sperm sample maybe they've gotten past all the hang-ups about it and yeah. like Beverly Crusher is an expert at jacking off all species. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, on that note, yeah, and you got anything note, else to add? I I enjoyed this episode quite yeah, a bit. I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I think um, I, one thing I did want to mention is there's a moment in early on in this episode where like Riker and Geordie are getting really uncomfortable about like talking about data as a machine. Yeah. And like Picard's like, oh, but we're all machines. We're just electrochemical uh, in nature rather than and biological. And everybody kind of relaxes. And it's like, that's the, the quickest. And everyone's like, oh, yeah, fine. And that seems to me weird. Like, I'm weirded out by thinking of my colleague as a robot. You know what doesn't weird me out? Thinking of all of us as robots. Because <laughs> that's the kind of thing that I... That's the kind of conversation that I've had at 4am in Lost in Amsterdam while I'm on shrooms where I'm just like but really like aren't we just machines as well like I'm just the result of my own program like I would if, if Picard had said that to me and I was like even slightly inebriated from the night before I would mainly I could spend about an hour just sat there just going sorry you just blown my mind uh, like is anything I do the result of my own free will like if you could take my brain clone it and just feed all the same electrons that have been fed into my brain would it act exactly the same do, do, do the people even exist? Are we all machines, Mark? This is a deep question, and they just breeze yeah. past it. Despite it is a, a like, mind fuck. <laughs> if uh, if old Queen Elizabeth this two called called a meeting in the, <laughs> the Great Hall and 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 was like air your grievances and and uh, and William was like I'm uncomfortable thinking about one of us as a paedophile, and then Liz went yeah, but in a, in a less direct sense, haven't we all fucked a bunch of kids? <laughs> And that's where we'll leave it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, we've got a Facebook page. And, and for the first time since we started doing like actual podcasts in lockdown, Mark, uh, by the time this goes up, I've got a gig on, uh, su- on su- Sunday Woo! at the Comedy Cabin. So come down and hear me make jokes about my brain tumour. Nice. Uh, which doesn't sound like a comedy gold mine, but I think I can get some jokes out of it. <laughs> but I wouldn't trust my judgement. I've got a fucking brain tumour. Uh, <laughs> the only thing I'm currently excited about is that about 10 minutes ago my door buzzer went, which means that my girlfriend has gotten a surprise takeaway. <laughs> and it's not Tuesday, so I'm curious about what it is. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Bye. Bye. The Captain's Slog is performed by Mark O'Neill and Eddie Edwards. You can follow both of them on Twitter and Instagram. Mark's at RealMarkO'Neill and Eddie is at EdEdwardsComedy. If you like the podcast, you can follow us on Instagram, Twitter and now on YouTube at Captain's Slog. And we have a Facebook page as well. Or if you really like what we do here, you can support us on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Captain Slog.